Sub him out. He doesn't know how to play defense. We're running pick and roll every time. Sub him out. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, a huge Wednesday in the NBA, 11 games, crazy, crazy results all over the place, blowouts are plenty, we'll talk about all of that, the injury news as well as previewing a very small, um, very small Thursday slate in the NBA, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. All right, let's get to it indeed, we will start where we always start. Monstrous line of the night. The monstrous line of the night indeed, it goes to none other than... Yeah, he was real good. He's always really good. But this was clearly his best game as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron just narrowly missed the triple-double, so it was hard for me to give him the monstrous line of the night. 44 points in 36 minutes, 5 triples, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks, and that legendary efficiency going at 68% from the field on 19 attempts. And something that had been really dragging him down this season, massive on the free throws, 87% from the line on 15 attempts. So huge benefits in both of those areas. That vaulted him up to be the fifth best player over the course of the season. Still, the assists are down, and over his last six games, he's averaging only six assists per game. Which is, which you know, if, if extrapolated to a full season, would be his lowest total in many, many years. Of course, we're not extrapolating it to a full season at this point, and there is still scope for that to come out, especially with the Rajon Rondo injury, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But LeBron is your, uh, he is your monstrous line of the night, the first one for LeBron for this season, I believe, or maybe he's had a second one. No, this might be his second one for the season. So a, a big night from LeBron in the Lakers, big victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Waiver wire line of the night. This is also the deep leaguer of the night because he's rostered in just 2% of Yahoo leagues. And it goes to Aaron Bainesy Baines of the Boston Celtics. Baines in a huge blowout over the Chicago Bulls, jumped in and played 19 minutes and did what he apparently does now, and that is banging threes. Nine points, which including included two from deep, but he had 11 rebounds, three assists, one steal, and two blocks. He has uh, been hitting his threes at 35% this season in hitting almost won a game in under 14 minutes. And this is a guy that just never hit threes ever before until last season where in the playoffs he started banging them in with regularity. He hit three all of last season. And in the previous three seasons combined, he hit one. So a real change as Baines is now being able to knock in these threes at at an extended clip. It is hurting his field goal percentage overall, just 41% from the field. Um, as he takes more of these three-point attempts, and he is shooting almost 50% of his shots from three this season. That is an absolutely wild stat for Aaron Baines. He's not really going to challenge the top 200 or probably even the top 250. So we're talking the very, very deep leagues here, 20-teamers with Baines. But he is an every-night part of the rotation, and in those deeper formats, 30-team leagues especially, someone who actually plays every night and plays minutes in the teens and can throw in a block and can throw in a three and can give you four or five rebounds can be useful 
useful, but it is really just deeper league stuff there for Baines. And of course, we know that any time that he is thrust into a starting role, so if Horford gets injured, Baines will have that really borderline 12-team league value with 10 and 10 and a block and 1.53s it looks like this season and it could be valuable in that sort of a setting. But we're not at that area yet, so just uh, just keep that in mind for when that does happen. Young gun of the night. The young gun of the night is... Ah, uh, yes. So good to have this guy back. Big Shaq. Yes, Big Shaq. Big Shaq Harrison. I've been waiting to uh, to use that drop. I'm probably in a bit uh, a bit neglectful in terms of using the uh, the Shaq, the Big Shaq Harrison drop, but in the same blowout game for the Bulls. Harrison played 23 minutes, had 16 points with six rebounds, one assist and four steals on seven of 10 shooting. He was a guy that if he was starting in Phoenix, would have had borderline standard league value because of his ability to get two, two and a half steals per game. Now we saw an extended shooting performance or an excellent shooting performance here going seven of 10 and the 23 minutes aren't realistic for Big Shaq, but he is in there as the backup point guard with Cameron Payne out of the rotation. Ryan Archer-Jackano is the starter, but this was just a disaster for the Bulls. So we got some extended minutes for the bench guys. We're looking at Harrison as that 30-team league guy, maybe a 20-team league guy, and until Chris Dunn returns or a real, real uh, wild card steals type streaming guy. That's the sort of player he was last season as a member of the Phoenix Suns. And I don't think too much has changed with his game where yeah, you should be surprised if he goes out there and nabs you two steals in his limited backup minutes. But a, a solid game from him. And weirdly enough, this is how yeah, powerful steals are in fantasy ranks. He is the 159th ranked player this season on a per-game basis. 15 minutes a game, 8 points, but 1.8 steals. He is shooting a ludicrous 54%, and he is not a good shooter. Uh, but those steals really do drive the value of someone like Shaq, and and that is you know, the value that he can have. And in those you know, 14, even 16-team leaguers, getting a bloke who might get 15 minutes a night and get 1.5 steals, it can be pretty uh, pretty interesting. His last three games since he's been installed as the backup point guard, three steals, two steals, four steals. For those of you that can count, you can do some uh, quick maths. Two plus two is four, minus one, that's three quick maths. That's nine steals in those three games, putting up some really, really big numbers. In fact, yeah, that's uh, in uh, 54 minutes, he's had nine steals, a, a really ludicrous amount, six steals per 36 that works out to for Big Shaq Harrison. So just something to pay attention to for those of you looking for some steals from a uh, weird source. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. It's Locked On NBA Net. On Twitter, you can find the best info, all of the hosts, put together into one feed, breaking news, injury reports, all the uh, relevant information that you need coming straight to you from one account. And on Instagram, we're utilizing the Instagram stories to give you the biggest news of the day in those one-minute stories, plus longer cuts through our regular feed. So it's Locked On NBA Net on Twitter and Locked On NBA Net over on Instagram. Let's go through and have another uh, another drop from uh, Big Shaq. I tell a man's not hot. The dud of the night goes to, has to be, has to be Julius Randle because he was atrocious. Uh, foul trouble limited him, but he was also bad in the minutes that he played. 14 minutes only due to the accumulating four fouls, three points and three rebounds. No other numbers for Randle. No threes, no assists, no steals, no blocks, one of four from the field, and a putrid one of four from the free throw line. Now he moved back to the bench with Nikola Miritich back, but right at the very end of this game, Miritich did sprain that ankle again. So we could be seeing a boost in minutes here for Randle, as we saw from him over the previous couple of games where Miritich was out, where he played 38 and 35 minutes and went for 22 and 15 and 17 and 12. So if the person that rosters Randle at the moment is is pissed with this move, and people can be extraordinary 
extraordinarily reactionary, throw an offer. See if they drop him because I, you might get another 35, another two or three 35-minute games out of Randall, and he needs to be rostered regardless. This was just an absolute turd burger of a performance from Julius, and we'll just chalk it up to a, a game where he was frustrated with the fouls and was frustrated with his play on the court, and it obviously showed in the box score and uh, not a lot to really extremely read into it. But he'll go back to that 25, 24-minute-a-night role when uh, Nick Miritich is back at full health. The plus minus go to the day. Tyson Chandler takes the best net rating at plus 125. He was fantastic for this team. It didn't impact uh, JaVel McGee, who still played well. While the worst plus minus, the worst net rating of the day goes to Chandler Hutchison. I think you'll notice a pattern uh, of these over the days is so many of the worst net ratings goes to rookies because they suck. Rookies just generally are bad in terms of on-court NBA play. Hutchison was a negative 99.6 in the Bulls, smashing at the hands of the Celtics. His value um, has really plummeted. He was starting that little stretch there, which he gave him some okay deeper league value, but he's not doing too much at the moment. And he will almost definitely disappear from the from the rotation when Larry Markin and, and, uh, and Punch Bob end up returning. For this Bulls team, let's take a look at some injury news. Steph Curry's groin strain. We've got a more firm timetable. He's out for at least the next 10 days. So it's a pretty significant injury for him. I think this ties in with about the two-week mark that I mentioned when he first did that injury. So my uh, guess on this one was correct. Um, obviously, Quinn Cook is the beneficiary here. Andre Iguodala for the deeper format. Sean Livingston for the very deep formats. But Quinn Cook's your 12-team league guy. But as I'll stress, you know, Cook is fine. But if you're choosing between Cook or Derek White or Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you take White or Gilgis-Alexander over Cook. Cook might exceed their play for the next week or two, but give me the guys who are going to be top 100 long-term guys rather than Cook, who go back to playing seven minutes a night when Steph is back. It's great for now and a streaming spot use, useful, but getting one of those potential top 100 players or Bogdan Bogdanovich is another one whose name comes up quite often. You take those guys over Quinn Cook every day of the week. Dan Green left today's game with a back issue. He'd been struggling anyway. If you were hesitating to drop Danny Green, I think that this should be your uh, go-ahead signal, so go ahead and get rid of him in 10s and 12s. And yeah, 14 team, I'd probably hold on. Dante DiVincenzo for the uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, the big ragu, he uh, suffered some knee soreness. He wasn't able to return. He was uh, you know, playing a fairly consistent role. Maybe we see Sterling Brown move into that, or maybe it's just more minutes for Tone Snell and Pat Connaughton if DiVincenzo happens to miss some time. Nick Miritich, I mentioned already, his ankle injury there. That's going to give deeper leagues an extra shot at Shek Diallo, who'd been putting up some okay numbers in those two games that Miritich missed. So 20-teamers, 18-teamers, have a look at Shek Diallo. Alex Abrines couldn't finish the Thunders game due to an illness. With him out, we saw Terry Ferguson put Push past 30 minutes in a smacking of the Knicks there as well. Well, Wes Matthews wasn't able to finish the absolute demolition that the Mavericks put on the Utah Jazz due to that hamstring flaring up. Now, he didn't return to the game, but Rick Carlisle said that things look fine, so it's nothing to be too worried about. He's not a 10-team league guy, and he is a real fringe 12-team league player, I believe, Wes Matthews, but I don't think that this injury should be influencing your decision really in any way, but most likely he would be the worst guy on your roster, so therefore that's the spot that you use for those up-and-coming players or for streaming purposes, meaning that he doesn't necessarily deserve a spot on every 12-team roster across the league. A couple of other more significant injuries. Uh, Rajon Rondo suffered a broken hand at the end of the Lakers-Blazers game. He will be out for four weeks. I would say, yeah, four to six is more likely. It's his shooting hand as well. So what this does, obviously, is solidifies Lonzo Ball. There should be no way that Lonzo is on a waiver wire. If he is, you immediately go and grab him. That is a no-brainer. Lonzo was clearly outplaying Rondo anyway, and the minutes were swinging very, very much in Lonzo's 
favor. We saw that in today's game. What it also does, they've got Alex Caruso as their backup point guard. I don't think they'll use Caruso. I think they'll use Ingram. I think they'll use LeBron. I think they'll use Josh the Hitman Hart as that backup point guard. But it's going to mean we're talking 34, 35 minutes for Lonzo, which is great for his value. It's going to push right back up. It's going to give a slight bump to Lance Stevenson for deeper leagues. He'll do some ball handling. You might be able to stream in three and a half or four assists from Lance per game. It boosts Ingram's value. It boosts Hart's value. And it probably gives a little bit extra to KCP. But I don't think that Stevenson, Hart, or Caldwell Pope are guys that I'm going to add in 12-team formats based on this. Remember, Rondo was like an 18 to 20-minute-a-game guy. And if you're going to split those minutes up amongst three guys in Hart, KCP, and Stevenson, it pushes them to maybe, what, 25 minutes for Hart, 22 minutes, 20 minutes for KCP, 17 minutes for Stevenson. Not enough to have that 12-team impact. The biggest impact is going to be on guys who are already rostered, like Lonzo Ball and perhaps Brandon Ingram. And maybe, as I touched on earlier, LeBron James gets a little bit of a boost in his ball handling and his assist numbers start to climb back up closer to career norms. The other injury, which seems a little bit worrisome, is Seth Curry. A knee problem caused him not to be able to complete the game. He's going to be having an MRI. The Blazers mentioned it as a knee injury, which is it's a concern. It's very vague. We know he had those stress fractures in his legs on his leg that caused him to miss all of last season. And now another lower body injury. Just the the nature of, and it's all about you know, trying to read nuance into things. The, the fact that you've mentioned as a knee injury is a concern. The, the fact that he's having an MRI tomorrow is a concern. He was basically immediately ruled out of the game is a concern. And just the, the, the nature of the tweets coming out, status unknown, MRI scheduled, it just, there's no talk of he is fine. Now, Seth Curry's not creating much in terms of waves in fantasy leagues, but it could open up some value for Wade Baldwin for you deeper formats. And it solidifies a little bit there more of Source Castillo, but it also could change things like CJ McCollum handling the ball a little bit more bumping some of his assist numbers up also because he'd been playing almost exclusively off ball this season and his assist numbers had suffered. So that's something to bear in mind when we're talking about CJ McCollum and potential value increase for him over the next couple of, uh, or however long that Seth Curry happens to be out. If your company is looking for a new way to reach companies, and thank you to the people who have reached out to me. A few guys have reached out. We're going to be getting a few of you on as sponsors pretty soon. You could see your company mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors that they hear on their favorite podcast and even on this podcast. Our demographic is 98% male, higher educated, higher earning than your traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com. All righty then, let's uh, let's move into these games now. There are 11 of them, so we're going to be going through these. A relatively rapid fire. I don't want to be keeping you here for three hours as I go through every single player from all 11 games, although there'll definitely be someone who tweets at me, Josh, go for two hours, and I'll be like, nah, I don't think uh, people want to hear that for two hours. Let's go on to the first game. It is the Philadelphia 76ers and the Orlando Magic. The Magic get the victory 111-106. The Sixers had a huge league in General Saunas' debut for them. The Magic reeled them in. Really disappointing start to the Butler era in Philadelphia. JJ Reddick continues to be on fire. He had six assists with 22 points. He started off the season hot, slumped hard, and is coming back into business now. He did start, as I predicted yesterday, with Markel Fultz going to the bench. Reddick, of course, is a must-roster guy. The six assists are really sexy too. Benny Simmons, 9-3-6. and six. I'm not panicking, but someone will. So if you're in a league where someone has Ben Simmons on their roster, you throw a trade offer out. You throw a guy like CJ McCollum out. You throw that sort of a level of player, Jason Tatum, perhaps after a couple of strong games recently. Because if people think that Simmons is going to take a huge step back, you might be successful. Now, you might not be. 
but you try and make that decision. And you do the same for the person who has Jimmy Butler, who had just 14, four and two. It's going to take time for these guys to try and mesh together and work out their spots. But I do feel pretty confident they will be able to figure it out. It just wasn't great. Joel Embiid had his first career triple-double, 19, 13, and 10, four triples and two steals, while baby neck Wilson Chandler played well at the end of the game. A lot of people ask me, do we go and grab Wilson Chandler? To me, the answer is no. We saw him play 30-plus minutes last season for the Denver Nuggets and not be a 12-team league contributor. What's to think that he, alongside Butler, Simmons, and Embiid, will all of a sudden get that value back for a guy that's battled chronic injuries um, and isn't that good, is just not going to do anything that's worthy? 14-team leaguers, sure, maybe you have a look at him there. 16-team leaguers, no worries. 12s, forget it. Uh, Mike Muscala, the Moose, he played a lot, 26 minutes, didn't do too much, but he is taking a lot of those backup minutes, uh, backup center minutes that Amir Johnson was getting. Well, Furkan Korkmaz remained in the rotation ahead of Timothy John McConnell. Uh, we also said Landry Shamick at 15 minutes. So those guys are going to be interesting three-point streamers. Korkmaz looked pretty good in this game after the Sixers weirdly declined his third-year rookie option. For the Magic, huge minutes for Nick Vucevic. 39 minutes, loves playing against Philly. Revenge game, 30 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and two steals for Vuce. That is a huge lot of minutes for him. And conversely, Muhammad Bamba only played the uh, eight or nine minutes. Four points and four rebounds, not a 12-team league guy. Just give up on it. You can tell me that in March, that's great, but... Can you afford to have a, a guy ranked outside the top 200 for three months? Probably not. Blocks, streamer only. It's good to have Johnny Isaac back. Only the 16 minutes. Six, So four points with six rebounds and a block. It was a, a slow start. I, I'd look to grab him off the wire if he is there. You know, Priority-wise, I'm just going to keep using these names. Gildas Alexander, Bogdanovich, and Derek White are all priorities ahead of John Isaac, but I'd have him ahead of Josh Hart. I'd have him ahead of Contavious Caldwell-Pope if you're thinking of adding those Lakers guys. I would try and find a spot for Isaac on my 12-team roster. Terry Ross kept it going, though. 31 minutes for Rossi, 15 points with seven rebounds. He is just riding it hot at the moment. Uh, gives you steals, gives you threes, scoring at the moment. The shooting, I think, will dip a little bit for Terry uh, moving forward, but he does have this 12-team league value now. He was also helped by the fact that Evan Fournier didn't play well and got into foul trouble, just 28 minutes for Fournier. Aaron Gordon, really good full line. Yeah, this is what he can do to push into the top 30. He won't probably do it, but he can, obviously. 17-6-6, six and six, a steal and two blocks for As Gordon. That's really, really promising. Well, uh, DJ Augustine struggled, but still had the nine assists, as we talk about with him all the time. He is just a fringe 12-team league guy. Let's go on to the uh, onto the next game. It was a blowout. The Cleveland Cavaliers got smoked by the Washington Wizards, 119-95. Chetty Osman was back, but he came off the bench and played 24 minutes. Not sure how long he will last on the bench, whether he moves back ahead of J.R. Smith or ahead of Larry Nance. That's going to be the interesting one. Four points, five rebounds, three assists, and a block. I put him behind John Isaac in the addition pecking order. He is worth considering, but uh, yeah, I'm not, not too certain about having him as a must-roster guy. While Larry Nance, this is all we've been asking for. 26 minutes, 10.6 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. This is why I thought he was a must-roster guy, and I was really, really disappointed with the way Larry Drew handled him. Now, we don't know what's going to happen, whether he's going to go back to playing exclusively backup center minutes behind Tristan Thompson, and if he does, it's negligent coaching. But that could very well happen because it's Larry Drew. So you have Nance, you roster him, you have him over Osman. 
and then you just see what happens. As for Thompson, only 19 minutes, had some early foul trouble, 9-8 and eight with two steals and a block. The defensive numbers are really nice, but yeah, the minutes were well down in this one. Again, as I talked about yesterday, I think it was, he is still just a fringe guy who contributes in rebounds and field goal percentage, really, and that's it. A stinker from Jordan Clarkson, 9 points, while Colin Sexton shot really well. 24 points on 16 attempts, but as we always talk about, there's nothing else there. Three rebounds, two assists, no steals, two blocks. It's what's going to keep him from being a top 100 player. I think he's absolutely fine to grab, and I would grab him in 12-team leagues. Where does he where's he rank? I think you probably have him ahead of Osman and behind John Isaac in that pecking order of guys to grab, especially while George Hill's out. And I don't think that Hill is getting this starting job back when he does return to action. For the, for the Wizards, Otto Porter. Only 26 minutes, but that's because it was a blowout. He was super aggressive, usage over 20%, which is absolutely stunning to see. 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, and two steals. So the the path to redemption is uh, is paved here for Otto. He's just got to walk down it. Let's hope that Scotty Brooks can uh, guide him down there really nicely. Johnny Wall, a real turd, eight points in 21 minutes. They didn't need him. He was struggling. Still had nine assists, two steals, and a block. While Jeff Green went back to being Jeff Green, eight points in 24 minutes, and this is why Jeff Green is not a 12-team league player. Dwighty Howard, foul trouble, 10 points in 20 minutes. But honestly, this game was just so much of a blowout that nothing, and it's so much, the case for so many of these games that it's hard to read into uh, a huge amount just because uh, some of the games were just over so damn quickly. The Miami Heat, they took the Brooklyn Nets apart, 120 to 107. The Nets, I talked about this yesterday, they're either going to rally around the loss of Karis LeVert or they're going to struggle, and they really struggled in this one. No Dwayne Wade for the Heat, so Tyler Johnson had another big game, 24 and 5 in 31 minutes. This will not be able to continue when Wade returns, so you can use him now and then move on later. Well, Justice wins, though. He is not a 12-team league player, in my opinion. 6 and 11 in 34 minutes. His shot looked woeful in this game. A horrible air ball three, just not a good game. Hassan Whiteside got into foul trouble, but still 14 and 10 with two steals and two blocks, while uh, you know, Dragic, Richardson, decent performances. I don't think Scooter Magruder is a 10-team league player. I think he is a drop. I think he is a 12-team league drop as well. Again, behind that whole group of guys, um, probably even behind Chetty Osman, to be to be honest. You know, Sexton, Isaac, Shea, Derek White, those sort of players, I'd have Magruder behind those guys. For the Nets... They didn't start Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. In fact, Jarrett Allen was out, and they didn't even start Rondé at center. They went with Ed Davis there, I guess, to match up with Hassan Whiteside. But Rondé still put in an okay game, 14-9 and in 23 minutes, a monster usage of 28%, which he won't be able to continue with. He sprained his ankle during the game, but was able to return. I still think that he is a real you know, fringy type of 12-team league guy, that he's going to get a boost with Levert out, but not as big as some people necessarily think. It was the blue swimmer who stepped into Levert's starting job, and he was shitful, because let's be honest, he is not good. He is not a 12-team league grab, and the reports or the whispers from Nets guys is they think that Spencer Dinwiddie will step into that starting position next game. Dinwiddie had 18, 3, and 5. He is available in quite a few leagues. He is a guy that I grab. I have him behind um, White and Gildas Alexander. I have him probably ahead of Isaac, to be honest, in terms of guys to grab. Um, yeah, some some solid value behind uh, behind Bogdan Bogdanovich as well. But he is a, a guy that you look to grab. Joe Harris struggled 11 points in 25 minutes, not a 12-team league guy. While it wasn't a good night for D'Angelo Russell, four fouls, 18 shots to get 12, uh, 12 points. Wasn't his best night, but you just hold tight and hold steady. Also, I really like Rowdy Rodion's Kuroks or Kurooks, I think they were calling him on the broadcast. I need to get that more into my brain. I think he's going to be a really good player. Interesting to see how that uh, develops for him. Also, Damari Carroll, terrible. Eight and six in 28 minutes. So the minutes were fine. 
He's just not going to do it enough. Again, him, Crab, Harris, um, all fourteen team league guys, not not really going to do much in those uh, in those twelve team formats. The next game was another blowout. The Bulls got their asses handed to them by the Boston Celtics, 82 to 111. Ryan Archer Jackano, 8, 8, and 3. The big minute's still there for him. He's got that real fringe 12 team league value. Levine, the efficiency's really catching up with him now. He had played 32 minutes, only 10 points on 11 shots, 27% shooting, missed all of his three attempts, which were, which were two, two three point attempts. Over the last, um, over the last seven games, he is shooting 37% from the field, including 24% from three. So the efficiency is re- – he was at 50% for so long. Now, his, his ranking numbers stayed up because he's still scoring 26 points and he's getting to the line an absolute shit ton. But the Z score value for his field goal percentage over those last seven games is a negative 3.16, which is almost unrecoverable from on a lot of rosters. So you have to be ready to wear that. His assist numbers are still pretty strong. He's getting steals and blocks at numbers uh, way above career averages. So maybe there's some uh, element there that they keep up, but you just feel that he is getting overworked and the efficiency will rise when these other guys come back, but the usage will drop off. The Block Panther, 11 and 7 with one block. People still don't value what Wendell Carter can do. He is a top Top 100 absolute lock, and he should never be back on any waiver wires anywhere. Well, Justin Holiday, after I talked him up yesterday, he shut the bed. Six points, still hit two threes, and still got a steal. And that's what I was pumping him up about. He'll get minutes, he'll hit threes, he'll get steals. And he did those things. Uh, and he'll be better uh, than, than he was in this game. Minutes restriction off for Gordon Hayward, 29 minutes, 11-4-4 four four with three steals. This is the step forward. This is the beginning of the top 60 end to the season, I think, for Hayward. Really, really strong to see him back out there with those minutes pushing up. A great Kyrie Irving performance in limited minutes, 17-6-7. Jalen actually played well. It was not hard to play well against the Bulls, let's be honest. The worst defense in the NBA. I actually know if they are the worst defense. I probably should look that up before I start uh, accusing them of being the worst defense. I wouldn't be stunned if they were, though. Um, Terry Rozier, 30 minutes, 12 points. He, he's, look, I think he is one of the most overrated players in the NBA, Rozier, based on his player performances, which was strong, but especially for fantasy, he gets overrated significantly. He is still rostered in 52% of Yahoo leagues, which just seems ridiculously high to me. There's got to be a ton of dead leagues because he should not be rostered in any any 12-team formats at all. The Bulls' defense, by the way, is the 23rd in the NBA, and somehow their offense is worse, 27th. Well, that is... Uh, that's showing something. All right. Let's go on to the next game here, the Detroit Pistons and the uh, Toronto Raptors. Actually a close game. Reggie Bullock gets the game winner and Dwayne Casey's return to Toronto, along with Jose Calderon. Blake Griffin was fantastic. 40 minutes, 30 and 12, three steals and two blocks. And when you're getting three steals and two blocks from Blake Griffin, you should count yourself pretty lucky. Reggie Jackson almost sat the entire first half, went out after about five minutes and only came back in with about three minutes to go in the half, but still managed 27 minutes, 13 points and six assists. He's that uh, back-end 12-team league guy. I actually think I prefer White and Gildas Alexander and Bogdan Bogdanovich over Jackson. He just is a very low upside guy. As for Bullock, he hit the game winner. He had only one other shot for the day, five points, two assists, and two steals, and he is not a 12-team league guy. He is a 14, maybe 16-team league player. Wasn't a great drum and night. Efficiency was terrible. 11 and 14 is still pretty nice. Well, Stan Johnson had another good game. 12 points, two triples, two steals. He is a 14-team league steals streamer. That's really about it. While in 14 and 16-team leaguers, you want to pay attention to Langston Galloway, who's getting minutes, played 31 of them here, had 13 points and two triples. I'm not sure how long that's going to stick, but he's playing well at the moment. The fun guy. I'm a fun guy. 
<laughs> He's really good. 26 and 9 for Kawhi Leonard, four assists and three steals. While Pascal Siakam, I guess the only thing I can say here is he didn't shoot 70%. He shot 67. 17 and 7, a steal on a block, continues to play really well. But with everyone healthy now, he's not getting to that 34-minute mark, which is what we talked about or what I talked about a lot is that when people get healthy, he wouldn't get those minutes. Now, he's still producing pretty comfortably, but I think we're just going to see a drop-off. Um, people have been asking for this one. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. With Serge Barca out and Jonas Valanciunas in early foul trouble, we got 21 minutes of Greg Munro, and he does what he he did what he does. 17 and 9 in 21 minutes with a steal. That is the quintessential Greg Munro game, and he'll go back to being a DMPCD as soon as Serge returns, which the Ibaka injury isn't considered serious at all, so that should be fine. Lowry had 14, 7, and 7, while Valanchunas played 27 minutes and had 14 and 6, so that's fine. Valanchunas is still a 12-team league guy. The Jedi, the offensive explosion wasn't there, but 22 points for OG Ananobi, sorry, 22% usage for OG Ananobi, 7 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block. He just couldn't hit his shots. This could have been a 14-3-2-2-1 line, which again would have been excellent, and he is giving me a real, real dynasty stiffy at the moment. I, I can really see this blossoming, blossoming for him in the next couple of seasons. So just, just pay attention for OG at this point. It's, it's not happening this season pretty clearly. Um, but he's showing us enough science to think, oh, shit, there is uh, some offense happening there for uh, for the Jedi. Let's go on to the next game, another ass-kicking, the New York Knicks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yesterday, I told you, you cannot trust David Fisdale, and that's because you can't trust David Fisdale. He has no idea what he is doing with his rotations on a day-to-day basis. He makes weird decisions that make no sense. He's changed his starting lineup again. When are NBA coaches and teams going to realize that Emmanuel Moutier does not have it? He doesn't have it. This is his third team, his fourth head coach. He does not have it. But instead, they moved Frank Nilakina, a guy who played half a season as a point guard, as a rookie in a dysfunctional team, coming off uh, the Phil Jackson saga with Jeff Hornacek not knowing what he was doing, and was given, what, four games here to be a starting point guard and then benched again. Now, Nilakina was struggling. No one's denying that. But this chopping, changing bullshit is ridiculous. Moutier is not the answer. We saw it here. 7-1-5 and five for Moutier. He just isn't good. Well, Nilakina had 4-2-2 two and two in his 21 minutes, and um, uh, Trey Burke didn't play. You can clearly drop, uh, you can clearly drop Neil Akina in 12 team leagues. Alonzo Trier, 32 minutes, 11 and 5 with three steals. Really, really nice performance from him. He is going to be converted. You can, you can guarantee that from that two way deal. More a 14 team league player. While Mitchell Robinson twice had to go back to the locker room with an ankle injury, but did, did, was able to return six points, but it's the blocks and the field goal percentage. Three blocks, 75% from the field. That is where he is bringing the value. While Ennis Cantor had 19 and 5. Damo Dotson's run as a valuable player is done because Kevin Knox, the fort, moved into that starting lineup. 15 points for, for Knox, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 16 shots it took him to get there. If you want points, Knox is going to be your man. If you don't care about rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, or field goal percentage, then you're fine. But he's going to be negatives, especially in field goal percentage for this season. But his lines are going to look sexier because he's going to score because he's going to do it on high volume. And he's going to get those shots. He's just not going to do anything else. So I don't think that he is a must-roster 12-team league guy. While I think also the Noah Vonley run is done, nine points in 20 minutes for Vonley. He had that little, little run, which I felt was unsustainable, and we're seeing that be the case now. For the Thunder, no Russell Westbrook, so Schroeder had 15-4 and 12. Another strong performance from Schroeder. Really, yeah, the, the Thunder have struggled so much when Westbrook has been out in the past, and now they've got a competent, yeah, quite a good backup, probably the best backup point guard in the league, to be honest. 
yeah, running things. That's great. While Paul George has been excellent. 35, 7, and 5. His assists are way up. They're going to drop when Westbrook returns. Two steals and a block, 59%, killing it. Steve-O Adams, 19, 6, and 5 with two steals, was strong. He killed Ennis Cantor, while Alex Abrines had that illness. So two-way player Deontay Burton stepped in and filled the box score. 7 and 4, a 3, two steals, and a block. He's a very, very interesting fantasy guy if he ever finds himself in a role. So just... Write that name down, keep it on a watch list, add him onto a rookie stash list. If he ever finds himself in a situation where he's getting 20 minutes a night, he's like a KJ McDaniels type of fantasy guy. Shout out to him if you remember him from the Process Sixers days. Um, Burton can be one of those weird type of players, so keep an eye there. Another solid game from uh, Jeremy Grant, 15-5, and five, a real borderline 12-team league player who does not offer really any excitement at all in terms of his statistical output. The next game, we take a look at the... Um, which one are we looking at? The uh, oh, that's the wrong uh, the wrong graphic. That's uh, I'll have to uh, have to adjust that one for you. Sorry about the uh, the graphic here. I don't know what was going on. I couldn't get this uh, ad to disappear off it, so I apologise for the quality of this game. That was a screw up on my behalf. But we are talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Pelicans go down one hundred seven one hundred in the debut of Robert Covington, or sorry, as he prefers to be known, Robert Covington. Try again, Rob Covington, or as I prefer to call him, Bob Cov and Dario Saric for the Pelicans. Uh, no Alfred Payton, and then they lost Nick Miritich right at the end. Tone Davis was great, 29-11 and 11 with two steals and full locks. Well, each one more has tallied 30 points in each of the last two games. He had 31 here with four triples, four rebounds, four assists, and a steal. As I mentioned, the last game that the Pelicans played, he won't continue to shoot this well. He sort of did here, 57% from the field, but these are unrealistic sort of numbers from Etuan Moore. His usage also through the roof, 28% for Moore. He's just as likely to go back to 12 points with two rebounds, one assist on 47% shooting, which is nowhere near as appealing. So stream him if you want, just realize that it's not going to stick at this level, I don't believe. Another 10 assists for Drew Holiday, 14 points with two blocks there. Well, where's Matthews? This is such a Wes Matthews line, 5.7 rebounds, 5, ass- five assists, and a steal. But when Peyton returns, he will lose a big chunk of that value. On to the Wolves. Tom Thibodeau did indeed stick with Taj Gibson as his starting power forward and played him 28 minutes. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 1 steal, and a block. While Dario Saric played the remaining 20 minutes. 9-3 and three with 2 steals. Now, I've got no idea whether the ever-flexible Tom Thibodeau will make that change and put Sharich in there next to Kyle Anthony Towns or not. But if they're going to play that allotment of minutes, then neither Gibson nor Sharich are 12-team league players. As for Covington, oh man, 41 minutes for Bob Cuff. He uh, had 13 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block with 3 triples. Didn't shoot well, but did exactly what we wanted, plus getting the extra minutes. Now, we have to remember that Derek Rose was out of this game, so he would take some of those minutes, uh, some of those 30-odd minutes. But I could see that the 17 minutes that Joshua Kogi played and the 11 minutes that Tyus Jones played... Uh, along with you know, three or four minutes off the top of Bob Cuff and you know, four or five minutes off the top of Jeff Teague's 37 minutes. My name is Jeff. Yeah, that's, that gives you the additional playing time there for Rose. 17 for Akogi, 11 for Jones, that's uh, 28 minutes. Uh, and then you just take a couple off the top and you get 30 or 31 for Derek Rose. I could see that being what uh, what Thibodeau does and running that Teague, Wiggins, Rose, Triumvirate as a backcourt, running uh, Covington with uh, Wiggins backing him up there, then Sharich, Gibson, uh, Jeng, and Towns in the front court for your nine, or that's even an eight-man rotation. Maybe that's being a bit aggressive for, uh, for Thibodeau. Maybe uh, Jones still stays in the rotation. 
As fatigue, two big assist games recently for him, 14, 2, and 14. Um, the usage is about the same. There's assists, but there's probably a little bit of fluke there with that. What the big story is the performance of Carl Anthony Towns. He's going to be a top three player this year, 25 and 16 with two blocks. But Andrew Wiggins, 23 and 6, four triples, four assists. Three steals, one block. Really invigorating performances from both of these blokes with uh, General Soreness now in Philadelphia. I'm not banking that Wiggins is going to become this multi-categorical stud. He does have the physical gifts to do it. Just the, uh, I guess, mental application has never been there. But could this be it? I'm definitely waiting. He's a top 100 guy now. I don't think without any shadow of a doubt. But can he push into the top 50, into the top 40? Because that's his possibility. We just have to pay attention to see how that bears bears out. As for Rose, he'll slide back in and still be a 12-team league guy. Although, as I've mentioned plenty of times, I do think his shooting will drop off. The next game, we look at the Memphis Grizzlies and the Milwaukee Bucks. Huge win for the Grizzlies on the road, 116-113. Conley and Gasol were great. 29 for Gasol, 26 for Conley. If you invested in these guys in drafts, you're pretty happy with this return. But nobody could have foreseen Shelvin Mack being this... I don't even know. I don't even know what Shelvin Mack's doing anymore. 29 minutes for Mack, 15, 6, and 5. He's playing a lot of minutes with Dylan Brooks out. Chandler Parsons out, uh, Omri Caspi out as well. We're getting that Mac Conley backcourt that everyone fears. And he is, over the last two weeks, a top 80 player. In 28 minutes, averaging 14 points with one and a half steals and three assists. Now, it is on ludicrous shooting. 54%, including 48% from three and 58% from two. So it is going to regress, and it is going to regress hard. But for now, the minutes are okay. There is some value, but just don't bank on it really coming um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't have to. It doesn't appear to be anything that's sustainable or making him a must roster guy. I was stumbling there because I just saw some news about uh, the Seth Curry injury, and it doesn't look great here. It's just saying that the news is when slowing down the clip that Curry came up injured. It doesn't appear that he banged knees with anyone. Rather, it may have occurred when planting his leg. That again ties in with what I was talking about with Seth earlier on. That it gave a really bad vibe, and I'm thinking there is some sort of ligament damage in there. I hope there's not because I really like Seth Curry, but it, it's not appearing great at this point for Seth Curry as a slight aside. Triple J had some extreme foul trouble, five fouls in 16 minutes for Jaron Jackson Jr., 13 points, two rebounds, and two steals. So still had some nice numbers happening there, but the fouls limited him. While uh, we also saw Utah Wananabe, so shout out to Utah for getting into an NBA game. For the Bucks. Yanni had 31-9 and nine and hit free throws, 11 of 12. That's excellent. 14 attempts from the field, 71%. Fantastic. But they still couldn't get the win. Middleton was great. Paddy Connaughton, 27 minutes for Connaughton, 16 and 6, two steals and a block with two triples. These are unbelievable performances from Connaughton. Budenholzer is really unlocking him. It helped him that the big ragu only played the six minutes. He was the major beneficiary. He comes into play as a 16-team stream type of guy. Eric Bledsoe, it's coming. 15, 6, and 7, two more steals. The steals are coming. This is what was lacking. It's starting to happen for Bledsoe. Hopefully you bought, you could have bought real low on him, and I think it's starting to turn around. Brookie Lopez couldn't keep up the red hot form, nor neither could Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon had just the eight and five in 27 minutes. That's more in line with what I thought we'd see more of from Brogdon this season, rather than some of the other big performances we saw uh, over the last couple of games. The next game, the most stunning result of the season to me, the Utah Jazz score 68 points and they lose by 50 to the Dallas Mavericks. and the, the Jazz were up in the second quarter. This is a stunning result, and there is absolutely nothing to take out of this game from fantasy. Nothing. Because it is just one of the biggest outlier performances I have ever seen. 
And this is not to say that Utah is not struggling because they are. And it's not to say that Dallas is not playing well and playing bloody good defense because they are. But this sort of bullshit is just not anything that we can have any reliability on. The minutes were reduced all over the shop for everybody. The only one thing I can say is that Luka Doncic did suffer somewhat of a shoulder problem, but uh, he is fine. He is going to have an MRI, but there's no problem there with him. Otherwise, there's very little to say about this game, and I think it's best if, especially if you're a Utah fan, you just move straight on because this was as ugly as it gets. But if you're a Dallas fan, go watch the replay of this 15 times because it is unbelievable to see you guys win this by uh, by 50 points. Just a stunning, stunning result in what was a weird day where the Grizzlies knocked off the Bucks as well as the next game where the San Antonio Spurs got smacked by the Phoenix Suns. 96 to 116. DeRozan uh, didn't have a going early, but yeah, salvaged a pretty decent line, 24, 5, and 4. LaMarcus Aldridge just shit out 6 and 12 with no other stats. He is a real buy low guy to me. No Rudy Gay, so Dante Cunningham started, but so very little to see here. One positive thing, another good performance from Derek White. 29 minutes, 16, 4, and 3, a clear must roster guy. In my opinion, Brittany Forbes had 13, while Milsey had three steals in 21 minutes. But uh, maybe the most encouraging thing from a Spurs point of view was Yucca Pirtle played well. Seven of nine, seven and nine in 19 minutes with two blocks. This is the sort of thing that he was doing in his minutes for the Toronto Raptors this season that we just have not seen at all. The, the Spurs have now lost two consecutive games to the Kings and to the Suns, and they didn't just lose this game. They got pulverized by Phoenix. So great stuff for Phoenix. Let's talk positives for them because TJ Warren continues to be excellent. He is a must-roster player. 27 points in 38 minutes, continues to hit threes. The efficiency has to come down. 59% from the field here, hitting threes at a crazy level. Got three steals with three threes. His contract looked terrible. Now it's looking like a real bargain. He is locked in as that starter. While Isaiah Kanan, someone who I said shouldn't be an NBA player, he made me look stupid as well. But let's be honest, he's not. 19 points with five triples, four rebounds, and one steal. I'm not overreacting to this. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter. He missed one shot for the game. Completely ridiculous and unsustainable performances. Devin Booker actually struggled. So the Suns won this game by 20, and Booker had 13 points on 14 shots. DeAndre Ayton, 17 and 10. Joshy Jackson, easily his best game. Now, I've shit on Josh Jackson a lot. Don't think he's a good bloke. Don't think he's a good player. But a great performance here. Really, really stepped it up. 22 minutes for Jackson, 14, 4, and 3. Let's see how much of an additional role this has him in the rotation. I'm not sure it'll be much because Trevor Ariza was out. So that enabled Jackson to get that larger role. While McCall Bridges... Had the start with Ariza out, only played the 25 minutes, 8-2 and two with a block. I think we're a little bit off him being a 12-team league guy, but I do feel it's going to come. DeAnthony Melton did, in fact, play those backup point guard minutes, 3-1-3, three, and three, sorry, 3 points, which was a triple, with 3 rebounds and an assist in his 10 minutes. We even saw Dragon Bender on the court. That's how much of a blowout this game was. Let's go to the next game and the last game of the night. The Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Portland Trailblazers 126-117. Yusuf Nurkic continues to have an excellent uh, run here. 21-14 and 14 for Nurk with three steals and four blocks. And perhaps the most incredible part of what Nurkic is doing, apart from these excellent defensive numbers that he's bringing over the last couple of games, is his free throws. He is at 81% from the line. He was at 63 last season and 57 the year before that. We've seen little stretches of Nurkic before being an improved free throw shooter. And then it falls into the toilet. So let's hope that it can stick. But if he's going to continue to do this, he is a top 25 player over the last two weeks. 
a top 50 guy on the season. This is what we hoped for when he was traded from Denver to Portland and what he showed in that post-All-Star break period a couple of seasons ago and then was terrible or relatively terrible last season. A real step up from Nurkic. He looks he looks really yeah, significantly better and you know, even while absorbing a pretty large usage and doing it decently efficiently, which had been a problem for him in the past with 53% true shooting each of the past two seasons up to 59 above league average this year. So good for him. Lillard had a knee complaint, but still had 31, 8, and 11, while the chief, Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I think you have to classify this as a good one. 18 points with four triples and three blocks. He's just as likely to have three and three in the next game and not three steals and three blocks. Uh, I mean, three points and three rebounds. He is the 116th ranked player this season. So you might say, yeah, that's that's okay as a 12-team league guy. I still, there are many other guys I'd prefer over Aminu there. And his really only positive value is coming from the 8.4 rebounds that he's getting per game. He's also shooting an additional 10 percentage points higher from the line. So there's an element of risk that that's going to drop back. He's always been a 75% free throw guy, and that's going to cause a lot of his value to dip. But he's on a relatively hot streak, the top 65 player over the last two weeks, getting you two threes, a steal, and a block, and shooting 51 and 82. That is just prime for a real shit run from Aminu. So just beware of that. Uh, Zach Collins, you've dropped him already. So yeah, six and seven. Uh, so, sorry, seven and six. No, wrong player again. Five points and no rebounds, but still had a triple one. A weird line for Zach Collins. On to the Lakers. JaVale McGee, only the 24 minutes, but 20 points, four rebounds, two steals and two blocks. He's going to retain 12-team league value while Tyson Chandler's there. And Lonzo Ball, 32 minutes, 11, six and three, a steal and three triples. This is more like it for Lonzo. This is what we want from him, and he is going to get huge run now. He played 32 minutes. Rondo didn't have to leave this game with the hand injury, so this isn't him getting 32 minutes because Rondo was out. He was getting 32 minutes because he was getting 32 minutes. You can drop Rondo in 10s and 12-team leagues, uh, even if with an IR spot, he's only going to come back and play 20 minutes a night would be my guess because I think Lonzo is going to establish himself as a 30, 35-minute-a-night guy now. Ingram had 17, 2, and 4, and uh, KCP had a nice little scoring burst, 13 points in 17 minutes, but probably a little bit elevated. While the future MVP was shithouse, I don't think he's that good. I definitely don't think he's as good as people make him out to be, and he will not be. Uh, by I think by some point this year, he will not be a 12-team league must roster guy. He still is for now. I don't think that he is going to stick as uh, as that guy as we uh, as we move forward for the uh, for the rest of this season. Let's move into some uh, DFS stuff now. Looking at the perfect lineups over on uh, over on DraftKings. First, first of all, the uh, perfect lineup we had uh, at point guard. Big Shaq. Yes, Shaq Harrison, thirty-three points. Pat Connaughton, thirty-three. What a well, look at this! Look at this lineup. This this uh, perfect lineup is nonsense. Shaq Harrison, thirty-three. Pat Connaughton, thirty-three. Eats one more, forty-five. Blake Griffin, sixty. Aaron Baines, thirty-four point two five. Lillard had sixty-one point five. LeBron James. LeBron James. Seventy-nine. And Yusuf Nurkic, fifty-four point five, for a total of four hundred point two five, and that cost forty-nine thousand five hundred dollars. Over on Fangel, Dame Lillard, 58.1. Big Shaq Harrison, 36.7. Wigo had 46.2. David Nawaba had 28.9. LeBron, 76.5. Each one more, 42.8. Blakey Griffin, 58.9. Dwighty Powell, 30. And Yusuf Nurkic, 58.3 for a total of 436.4. And that cost $60,000 dues. Let's move into these games. There are only three of them on Thursday, a uh, light volume day in the NBA 
The first game we look at, the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. At the time I created this graphic, there was no spread or total, and it, but there is now. The Rockets are favored by one and a half, and the total is 220 points. Gerald Green and the Comet Gary Clark are both questionable for the Rockets. So um, if both of those guys are out, man, what are they going to do? Run a six-man rotation? They are in real trouble if those guys are out. And for the Warriors, we know that Steph is out. But Draymond Green mysteriously appeared on the injury report with a toe injury, listing him as questionable. Nothing official coming from the Warriors, but on the injury report after being suspended for that last game. So that's very, very, very intriguing. Let's see what actually happens there. If he is out, Yunus Yurepko is the guy who's likely going to get that boost. If uh, if Gaz Clark and Gerald Green are out, you're going to get shit tons of minutes from PJ Tucker. You're going to get a lot more from Harden, a lot more from Eric Gordon, a lot more from Chris Paul, a little bit of extra Isaiah Hartenstein as well, and maybe Michael Kidd, uh, Michael Kidd, Chris, the other hyphen, Michael Carter-Williams comes back into the rotation. We're going to concentrate more on fan jewel pricing here. Chris Paul at 9,000. Uh, Terry at Player Line Pro gave me a, a great stat about Chris Paul, and I can't find it. It's not in front of me as I'm recording, but I know that he has a significant boost against the Warriors. So sorry, Terry. Go and, go and check out Terry and Player Line Pro, who do some great... Uh, I think they're, they're 11 and 1 against the spread the last two days of NBA betting. So Player Line Pro, you can follow them on Twitter at that account. Uh, Chrissy Paul, 9,000 bucks. 48 average over the last three against the Warriors. I think big minutes are coming. I really do like him here. The shot is back for him. Quinny Cooks at 5,800. The Rockets may be a tougher matchup for him. I still think that he's good for that 28, 29 point mark, uh, given he's going to be starting again. At shooting guard, Eric Gordon at 5,000 has been dreadful but he has got a good record against the Warriors, 35 points over the last three. I'm happy to go with him here, given the op- there's going to be an opportunity, I think, for him to put up some good numbers. Jimmy Harden at 11-7 as well. Has struggled a bit against Golden State. It's been more Gordon and uh, Paul getting those numbers, but I think that he is worthwhile abusing, especially on a short slate like this, while Clay Thompson at 7,500 with the injuries. And if Draymond's out, I think that that's a pretty solid cash uh, cash line for Clay if those things actually do happen. At small forward, we've got Kevin Durant, 11,800. I take Harden, I take Paul over Durant, but it's not a bad bet to have Kevin Durant to go for 50 here. I think that's a possibility, a great possibility. And then you've got Clark and Jim Ennis. Now, Jim Ennis at 3,800, if you get the Comet ruled out, I think that Jim Ennis at 3,800 is very strong because he's going to have to play big minutes if Clark does happen to be out. Um, PJ Tucker at Power Forward, 4,800. Happy to use him here again. I think he's going to be forced into big minutes against this Warriors team. While Draymond at 8,000. If he plays, I actually do like Draymond here, but that uh, weird questionable tag came out of nowhere. Yunus Repko is a $3,900 guy who would be a pretty strong cash play if Draymond is sidelined. Clint Capella at 8,100. The minutes are way up. He has struggled a little bit against the Warriors, but with really no other options, I think he's going to have to play. So or play those similar sort of minutes. So I like Capella here as well. I don't like the uh, the Warriors centers and uh, what Coach Steve does. You can call me Coach Steve. I think that will just about do it for Isaiah Hartenstein. The other one there to look at at minimum salary. If we get the the Comet and uh, Gerald Green both out for uh, for the Rockets, well, but I don't really think that's too much of uh, of us or not too much for us to look at. Onto the DraftKings side of things, I like Capella and Paul. I like Tucker and Harden, and I like Durant. All as cash guys. Eric Gordon is also in a pretty strong spot, but given a little bit more strength of play for the other guys, I think Gordon probably tilts more towards GPP on DraftKings versus how he uh, versus how he looks. On Fangio. Let's go on to the next game. We're looking at the Atlanta Hawks against the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by 12, and the total is. 
two for two, two, two. It is 222 points. Yes, the Nuggets have lost four straight games. John the Baptist Collins has been upgraded to doubtful. He won't play in this game, but that is a great sign that he's going to return over the weekend. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, is out. And Alex Len is questionable. This could mean huge minutes for the wizard Amari Spellman and also for Miles Plumley. The Len one seemed to come out of nowhere. I think Len will play, but if he is out, you're going to see a lot of Vince Carter, a lot of Alex Poitras, a lot of Amari Spellman, and a 30-point win by the Denver Nuggets, most likely. Let's look at point guards. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray. There's a lot of blowout risk in this game. So I think that's... Yeah, it takes away a lot of that cash value for guys like Murray. Uh, Jeremy Lin at 4,200, I don't feel super good about. I do like Trey Young, though, at 7,400. Go check out uh, the video I did uh, this morning on Trey Young with the player spotlight on you audio guys. You'll hear that later in the week as I mash it together with the next uh, player spotlight that I do for a separate Dynasty player spotlight pod. But I like Trey Young here at 7,400. Baysmore at 6,300. I think he can get you the 30 points in this matchup. While Monty Morris at 52. It's a big price for Morris, but his production has been really, really impressive lately, averaging 28 over the last three. I think he's worth a look on this low, low volume slate. The small forwards, one shows at 4,100. Yeah, only be a, a weird tournament play. That's about it. Gaz Harris at 7,000. Not really cranking at the right level. Blowout risk turns me off him here as well. While the artist formerly known as Torian Prince got things back on track last game. He is down to 6,300. So I do think that Torian at 6,300 is a worthwhile guy to look at. At power forward, Millsaps at 6,200 against his former team. The blowout risk would leave me to use him for tournaments only. Trey Lyles at 46, again, tournament, and you'd throw him uh, you know, in, not in the same lineup as Paul Millsap. While the wizard, Amari Spellman, has been shit lately. Only 2.6 points last game, but if you get... If you have Deadman and Len both out, then I think you're going to have to look at Spellman and Plumley, who comes in at $3,700. And my, my, uh, sorry, that's uh, sorry, Mason Plumley. Miles Plumley uh, comes in at $3,500. Mason Plumley at $3,700. I think he's a sneaky tournament guy in the uh, likelihood of a blowout. Comes in, plays 25 minutes, and uh, eviscerates whatever's going on in this Hawks front court. Alex Len at $4,700. I love that if he plays. I just don't know if he's going to, but I love it if he plays. And Nikola Jokic at $9,700. It's, it's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good. But again, the blowout risk. Under 10,000, though, gives me a, a level of uh, a level of safety with Jokic. Um, wouldn't have him above, say, Paul or Harden, though, just because I think that that game's going to be a lot closer. So, yeah, maybe it pushes to overtime, whereas I don't think there's any real chance that this game can get into uh, any sort of overtime scenario. On DraftKings... Monty Morris at 41, I love. Alex Len at 46. Jamal Murray at 65, I like. Gaz Harris, Torian Prince, Jeremy Lin, Bazemore, Young, and Jokic, while Trey Lyles and Wancho are more of your tournament uh, tournament type of players. The last game of the night, the San Antonio Spurs uh, going to take on the LA Clippers, the Boba Marjanovic Bowl. The Clippers are favored by 5.5, and, and the total is 219.5. We assume Rudy Gay will be back after resting today. We don't know if Avery Bradley or Luke Marmute will be playing for the Clippers. If those guys are out, Marmute boosts Mike Scott. Bradley goes out, it boosts Lou Williams and Gilgis Alexander, as well as Patrick Beverly. For the uh, for the point guards in this one, we're looking at Derek White at 5,900. I think that's a relatively solid play. It's probably a bit elevated on Fangio, more towards tournaments. Shea's at 6,000. He's been averaging 34 points. 
over the last three. And if Bradley's out, that is very, very strong for cash. Pat Beverly at 48 is a, an upside type guy who can get 35, but can also get 15. So that, that sort of takes him out of the cash considerations. DeMar DeRozan at 8,900. Not a great game from DeMar today. Still had 34. I feel pretty good about using him here. Ballinelli, Bradley, Lou Williams. Lou Williams has been cranking lately. 36 over the last three. He's up at 6,800. But if Bradley is out, I think Lou will at that price is a really, really strong cash one. Small forward, the Rooster, 6,500 for Danilo Gallinari. I like it here. I like Rudy Gay at 5,600 as well. And then power forwards, Aldridge at 84. Bounce back coming, 45 point, I think is a real possibility here for LaMarcus. And you've got Toby Harris at 83. Strong option as well. I'd take Aldridge over Harris personally. While the table, Montrez Harrell crushing, averaging 38 over his last five, 42 over his last three. Tons of minutes for him. 7,500, the price is pushing up. I don't hate it though. I think he can still bring back value. He has just been an absolute animal. Uh, I don't know if Boban's going to play in this game. He's always worth maybe throwing into a tournament, but that price is too high, man. 4,800, I don't like it on FanDuel, and he hasn't been a DMP CD the last two games. On DraftKings, White, Toby Harris, Gallinari, Harrell, Shea, DeRozan, and Aldridge are all in your cash considerations uh, area. Let's uh, wrap this up now by going through some studs and value plays on DraftKings. I'm looking at Chris Paul as my $8,000 stud, and my value is Alex Len at $4,600, assuming he plays. Fangel, it's Capella at $8,100, and my my value is Alex Len at $4,700. My stud on Yahoo is Chrissy Paul, $37, and my value is Alex Len at minimum salary. There's a pretty common theme with Alex Len there. On Moneyball, uh, actually Moneyball, again, too late with getting their numbers out. Draft stars, Kevin Durant, 18-390 without Steph Curry, and the value is Derek White at 8310. No best bet for tomorrow because of the uh, limited slate of action. Guys, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, leave a five-star rating or a review, leave a comment on YouTube and share it with your friends. Come on, be nice just for once. Go and share that around to all of your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Stephen Adams.